Starting in three, two, one. All right, so welcome back again. Just got through the logos here. And what I'm doing is I'm continuing off from when you watch the first episode, it automatically takes takes you to the next episode. Um, so it starts about like 13 seconds in for some reason, or at least that's what it says. But yeah, it skips the Netflix logo and it just starts straight in with the Marvel logo. So that's where I started at. And that's where what I'll be doing for the uh, for the whole the the whole uh, first season here, um, and any more that I get to do in in the future. Um, so this is episode two. Here we see Matt in a in a dumpster. Apparently he's uh he's homeless now. Um, you know he's often compared to Bruce Wayne, but you know without the money. So you know that's his new bed now. I suppose you know the the whole dumpster it looks it looks very comfortable but um but he seems to have some ketchup on him so uh this is episode two much like uh star wars this is the worst episode of the entire series i'm just kidding this is nowhere near attack of the clones this is probably one of the best if not the most raved about episode of the series particularly because of a particular uh sequence that happens at the end but we'll get to that one when it shows up this is probably the best episode that epitomizes the balance between the frank miller run the whole thing with brian bendez and uh, and alex maleev their whole run and also a lot of uh daredevil yellow stuff we get a really really good blend and a good balance between all of those um as far as like the brian bend is how the flow of it works and how the uh uh how the narration drives the action and drives uh all the actions did i just say that all the actions that happen in the in the episode and, and throughout the rest of the series is uh is well represented here. The storyline obviously borrowed from uh, Mouth of Fear and uh, in Daredevil Yellow. Uh, so here we see uh, Claire Temple, uh, her first episode. Uh, it's a split character between Claire Temple and Night Nurse, uh, who's a great character, who's a great uh, B character. You don't see him a lot, or you don't see her a lot in the comics, but, uh, but she is there and she does help out um, uh, a lot with heroes that need patching up such as daredevil here uh, he definitely needs a lot of help uh, as it seems like right there and uh, they just came out with a collection of night nurse uh, in the comics where the front cover is um, is essentially her running after matt in the same scenario he's out on the street he's in his daredevil costume um, this is kind of like comic book universe and uh and Luke Cage and Iron Fist are uh, in the background there. And then you have uh, Jessica Jones who's kneeling beside him. And it, it's this cover that just sort of, um, it's the comic book version of what the Defenders will be. You know, we see them all together with Claire there as well, uh, Night Nurse. Um, uh, but it really has nothing to do with w what you see, like in the comic, if, if you buy it, it's just, I think, a collection of their of her older stuff that came out but uh but it's really cool to see um that's probably the first official glimpse of defenders that we see 
from Marvel or anything like that. Um, and this is where we pick it up at. Uh, this is Cutman. Um, and this episode feels like a second part of the first episode. It really feels like this whole, uh, the first episode was kind of like a pilot episode. Um, but that this is like the second part of it. Um, mainly because they really devote a lot of time to that, to that, uh, to that last scene, uh, that montage that they had in the last episode to setting up what's going to happen with this, with the Russians uh, kidnapping the boy and beating his father. Um, and also here, we're, um, we're still dealing with Matt's origins with him as a boy and uh, with him and the relationship between his father. Um, so it really feels like an origin tale that's kind of like a two-parter. It uh, starts there and continues here and even in a lot of ways concludes here. Um, but this is a really good flashback that we're seeing right here because we're taking a step back. In the very first scene of the series, we see him uh, being blinded out in the street, saving the old man uh, and getting uh, his eyes uh, contaminated with, uh, with, with the goo. And uh, here, we're seeing him sighted. We're seeing him before he's blinded. Uh, so this is the only scene before that depiction, um, before, before that aspect of his life. So this is really the earliest scene of Matt of the entire series. And, and it just attempts to tackle the relationship between him and his father. And, uh, and really the, the, the relationship that he has seen his father come home from all of his fights him waiting by himself they established that early on it uh, pays off later on when uh, when he's home and uh, his dad has to go fight his last fight um, and then you know the 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 norm is that you know his dad will come home bloody and all beat it up and he has to stitch him up and uh, and here he gets a first taste of uh, of the bubbly uh, of uh, some some hard liquor, some wild turkey, um, something that uh, Frank Cal Castle drinks a lot in the Thomas Jane uh, film. But um, but how how morally ambiguous is is his father for letting uh for letting his son do this? I don't know. Maybe maybe it happens more often than we think. But um, but it's pretty it's pretty hilarious. And, and the whole thing with this being like the second part of, of, uh, of the first episode as well is that, you know, you have the Russian kidnapping that happens at the end of the first episode, um, which is a major, major theme in in this episode, because this episode is a lot about uh, the relationship between father and son. Um, the Daredevil movie was also about the relationship between uh, Matt and his father. That was sort of the um, the thing that launches him into uh, into stardom as a as a vigilante and as a as a hero. Um, it, it's it, it's something that we start to see as, as a beginning, but not really as something that continues to be his motivation um, for Daredevil. Uh, later on, that translates into other things. 
But this really is the justification for Daredevil Yellow and why he dresses up in his father's old garments and why he wears that specific color. And it's just um it's just something that gets him from point A to point B, but then it stops right there, right? And, and then his uh, his psychology sort of has to take over as to why he continues to keep going out there, why he continues to, um, you know, he's taking vengeance on, on his father's killer, which in the show he doesn't, right? We're going to be introduced to, uh, to Sweeney in a little bit as uh, as the guys who you know tell uh, Jack what to do when to throw a fight and all that stuff and so Matt knows these guys but uh but he doesn't take revenge on them or at least it's not depicted in this first season so it, it's a very curious absence to his origin story and I love Foggy's singing here and and, and Karen's reaction to it, it's great <laughs> crazy acting crazy good acting from from both of these guys i i love this episode not only because it tackles uh matt's origins it, you know he kind of goes off in his own path um and you know he's establishing his relationship with claire temple but that leaves foggy and karen um to split up and kind of do their own thing uh and have their own sort of subplot um, to where they just have a night on the town together and they establish their own relationship, um, which later pays off when they help Mrs. Cardenas later on and sort of that whole... They're sort of like Matt and Foggy in this first season, right? They're the pair that go out and do things through the legal system and help people in a very uh, real way. Well, Matt is usually absent and uh, is doing kind of the super stuff um yeah, the vigilante the dark you know you know taking matters into his own hands um so this is the matt and foggy that we see and, and it really is because matt kind of veers karen off it kind of uh delineates that whole love triangle that potentially could have happened to them that is sort of in the comics and established in uh jeff Loeb's daredevil yellow but uh but that's quickly nipped in the bud, and we st start to see, uh, I was about to call him Jimmy El uh, Olsen for some reason. I don't know, he's like the Jimmy Olsen uh, of this show. But uh, but we do see a little interaction between them. They have a, uh, they have a date later on. But it's sort of this pseudo-relationship, non-relationship. They don't really like sleep together or anything like that. You know, he doesn't get it in the sack with, uh, with Karen. But um, but they do have this very, very sweet relationship and they go and help other people. Meanwhile, this is great. <laughs> when he says great, uh, that's awesome. He reminds me of like a, a, a teenager. You know, he has a sarcastic attitude like as a as a um, as a kid. Uh, we see we see his sarcastic uh, replies to stick in in the stick episode um so we know that he has that kind of the the sensibility about him and that delivery of uh, of the line of the one word like great like i'm screwed 
is is really great that's that's one of my favorite like deliveries uh of, of the whole uh episode nasty nasty stuff no hospital no police another callback to uh to the punisher um the Thomas Jane movie. I watch that movie a lot, so I tend to reference it a lot. The first episode was really good in setting up this episode, but it it was also good about setting up um, the, sort of the whole series and where it's kind of going to go. Um, this episode is kind of in between to where it still deals with, uh, with who... Matt is and what his function is what his motivations are is he a hero is he a villain is he a vigilante is he somewhere you know in between all that it's a big question mark and that's dealt with later on in the episode now here's where they first mentioned Mike um, Mike Murdoch was um, was somebody that Matt pretended to be he pretended to be his own twin brother to take uh, Karen and Foggy off the scent that he was Daredevil and that he could actually do all this fantastical stuff even though he was blind. And so Mike is a, a reference that is uh, uh, from the comics and that is based off of the comics. And it's a, it's a really, really great uh, storyline, that whole period with, uh, with Matt Murdock. Or with Mike Mur Mike Murdoch because he's like flamboyant. He dresses loud and he is loud, and he says and does a lot of things that he wouldn't as Matt. You know, Matt Murdoch is very reserved. You know, Matt the lawyer. You know, he's very proper. You know, he has to uh, maintain a certain status about him, a certain personality. Um, but as Mike, he was able to you know hit uh, hit Foggy with low blows and and uh hit on Karen and just do things that he couldn't do as as Matt Murdock. And so Mike was kind of like a vent, like an outlet for uh for Matt. And that's a thing that we start to discover about Matt Murdock is that there are many sides to him that he can't let out uh in certain avenues of his uh of his life, you know, in his career, you know, he has to be very professional. Around his friends, he has to be reserved. Um, with Daredevil, you know, he can let himself go a little bit in terms of, you know, anger and being able to use all of his senses to to its full capacity. Um, and as Mike, he was able to be, you know, nasty and, and sarcastic and just sort of um, unaccounted for, you know, have have zero accountability um, for what he was saying or what he was doing, but he wasn't doing anything um, bad. It was just that he was being a prick most of the time. <laughs> um, and so there are many aspects to Matt, Matt's life that we discover more and more that suggest that he is kind of unstable mentally and that he could be borderline psychotic, like he belongs in a mental institution um, but he definitely does have these different sides to him that he um, wears on his sleeve the the second he gets a chance um, and that's that's who Matt is there there's a lot to him there, there's a giant drive um, 
and his drive right now is him talking about how he ran into the Russians and fell into their trap. And, um, you know, he's basically predictable at this point, you know, because his motive is to, you know, rescue the boy. Um, and it, it was a trap that they set up for him to take care of him. Uh, the Russians are still trying to take care of him on his own or, or on their own. And, um, and he fell right into the trap. You know, he mentions somebody having a knife or whatever, which I don't know why he would get jacked up with a knife when the Russians have tons and tons of uh, guns at their disposal, as we'll soon see in later episodes. But, um, but you know, he got he got beat with a knife. Um, so call back to the to what I was talking about in the first episode. But Claire is talking about, you know, you make life difficult for, uh, uh, for, for bad men. And yeah, that, that's his whole motive, um, behind him being not only a lawyer, but a vigilante. They both kind of, um, are working towards the same goal, but going about it in completely different ways. And so that, um, what it takes for one person to sort of suspend the lawyer side of him to become daredevil and to suspend the daredevil side of him to become a lawyer um, is both, you know, compelling and, and a contradiction. Um, but at the same time, they can help each other. Um, right now in these first two episodes, he has a style and a brand of justice uh, to where he's basically a protection bracket. You know, in the first episode, he was protecting Karen and he got her off a trial or he got her exonerated before she even went to trial. And here he's going to uh, rescue the boy. Um, and then in the later episodes, actually in the very next episode, we're actually going to see him um, operate primarily as a lawyer and use his daredevil persona to, uh, to help uh, his case. Um, so there's different brands of justice. There's different reasons why he wears you know the outfit and he goes out and starts punching people at night um because after this episode he needs a new motivation a different motivation um for why he's doing things you know it can't be because of um because of karen because she's safe can't be because of his his dad although that's kind of like a a, a subtext uh, there that's going on between you know him having anger issues and him um, letting that out one of the things that was genius about man without fear by frank miller is that we see that he was bullied as a kid they, that's how he got the nickname daredevil um, and so all the things that happened to him as a kid happened in the show except for him being bullied so it's kind of like when he's impressionable and he's getting bullied that's why as an adult he looks for bullies to stand up to um you know with the with the kingpin and all that stuff here he's not bullied by um uh, by other kids you know he doesn't have a whole lot of bullies in his life um he's just really really exposed to how the criminal underworld works uh, through his dad and, and with Sweeney on screen here. Um, but he doesn't really have like an internalization 
of it happening to him. You know, him, him being victimized from bullies. You know, it was sort it's sort of now a uh uh an indirect um internalization of uh, uh of seeing the criminals do their thing and and him seeing bad people at work. Um so that was one of the genius things about Mount Without Fear that sort of lifted out from here. But I think the attempt was, you know, you don't want to make Matt a character that's um, fighting out of vengeance. You know, that's kind of the waters that the Daredevil movie tread with uh, with Daredevil's first appearance, uh, Ben Affleck's first appearance. You know, he goes after um, he goes he goes after a criminal, and it, and it's sort of similar here, but he's kind of still looking for his father's killer and he ends up finding it um you know at the end of the film with kingpin and it's kind of like the batman the 89 batman where uh the joker was uh closer to 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 bruce wayne's origin to where you know hey he he wasn't just a, a guy that you know killed his parents you know he's the guy that killed his parents and he's sort of the the lord of this the this criminal empire and so he is the complete antithesis and there's there's no one else there's nothing else you know he is the personification of what batman has been chasing and that's kind of what they did with the daredevil movie uh, as well so here they kind of lift that you know here you see um what is going to be his father's killers, uh, Jack Murdoch. And, um, and you see him in this episode and you don't hear or see about him ever again for the rest of the series. Um, so we'll see if that's depicted in, uh, later episodes, but, um, but right now Daredevil's in a scramble. Uh, he has a man that's uh, the, the Russian or, uh, going door to door asking for him. Um, questioning people and trying to look for him, and uh, here he's brutally wounded, and um, you know we get to that that end fight scene at at the end of the episode, um, but one thing that we may forget is that he's badly badly injured the entire episode, which uh, gives more weight to the uh, to the end sequence here, which which I think is great. But it's something that we forget, you know, he, he doesn't have time to meditate, which is a trick that uh, we hear that he can do later on to heal himself a lot quicker. Which is why he only spends like one episode recovering, if that. Um, he's always ready to go in the next episode. Um, but um, but here he's he's barely, barely recovering from a fight. And this is a this is him retaliating within a day, you know, within 24 hours. You know, he just got his ass beat and he's going to go after this boy less than 24 hours later. Uh, so it's a quick turnaround for him. Very, very little chance for him to recover. Um, very little sleep that he's gotten, you know, and he's getting patched up. But, you know, he's got stitches that he needs that's probably going to get ripped up again um so it, all all those little details that they put in the show 
is is why Daredevil on Netflix is like really really great. You know the uh, the opportunity to be able to um, to slow it down and to pay attention to the details and for it to be only thirteen episodes, uh, so it can be more uh, refined and focused on just the narrative of the story uh, and have it be less pandering is really 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 great um i i think it's i think it's one of the best moves that marvel could have made um or disney do we think disney (laughs) are we gonna are we gonna see daredevil in season two in his red costume instead of uh instead of the two d's on his chest are we gonna see the two like disney logo d's on his chest like should we should we just go ahead and do that right now? Um, is someone gonna Photoshop that picture? <laughs> Disney, Disney, uh, across his chest. Yeah, that's Daredevil. <laughs> but um, but it, it it's it's hard. It, it's hard to think about um. Uh, Daredevil, not think of Disney now, just because they have the two Ds there. Um, uh, but here's our first introduction to uh Josie's Bar, which was also in the Daredevil movie. Here it is um, in um, in the TV show, and just not much to look at. <laughs> you know, it's a bar. Uh, it's important um, because a lot of people go there. But in and of itself, it's um, it, it's a bar. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, this episode is also where we see the most. Uh, one of the most heroic scenes for Daredevil um, with him saving the boy. I mean, throughout the entire series, he's more of an interrogator. Um, he's really questioning uh, criminals and trying to get to the top of uh, of who's at this uh, criminal empire. Um, but here and in this first episode, the first episode and the, the second episode, uh, we really, really see Daredevil operating as sort of a, um, a sort of like a saint. You know, he's really just trying to do something cool, um, which Karen calls uh, Matt and Foggy out in the first episode. She says, you know, hey, what are you guys, a couple of good Samaritans? Um, and we see uh, Matt being that as Daredevil. Uh, in these first couple of episodes, and we even see uh, Kingpin talking about the whole Good Samaritan parable uh, in his uh, man, man of ill intent speech at the, the very last episode. But after this episode, we really start to see Matt take a different direction as Daredevil and um, sort of get into the more detail oriented aspects of the story and. Um, his investigation of trying to find out who Kingpin is and where is he, who is he operating with, all that kind of stuff. Um, so here's really the the final moment. And, and this is the episode that they showed at the premiere in L.A. and in uh, in Australia, I think it was. They showed uh, the, the, the two hours, which was the first episode and this episode. So this really is catered as like a two-parter and i think it's intentionally done that way uh 
Um, but it, it's it's such a good sort of uh, finale to this two-parter because of that end sequence. Um, not so much because of the fight, but because he gets results. You know, he wins very, very little battles throughout the season, but he saves a child at the end of this one. And it's, I, I say it's one of his most heroic moments. Maybe, maybe so. You know, I think it is, but is it, is it really, is it really his most heroic moment? We'll see, you know, because he's doing something that's selfless, right? You know, he's saving a child that is not related to him. He, you know, this child is a stranger to him, this boy. But the fact that it mirrors uh, the fact that, you know, he was also a boy um, with his father and uh, they were separated um, uh, through criminals. Here's another boy who is also kidnapped and separated from his father um, because of the Russians. And so I, I think that this is something that, he, you know, is he doing just because it's a child or is it because he's a boy and who's, you know, constantly crying about his father, about being back with his dad and stuff like that. But we'll touch on that a little bit later. Right now, Claire, who's the voice of reason with her amazing Rihanna haircut, is questioning Daredevil, this masked man. Well, she's seen his face, but she's questioning his methods. A lot of this stuff is stuff that will come up in uh, in episodes uh, ten when uh, when Foggy finds out about Matt. They mention Catholicism here. A lot of themes that will get uh, further explode uh, explored later on. And here she is about to explain how she's heard about him before, um, which is a little bit of a surprise. Um, that's why she decides to help him, because she recognizes that uh, he's also a masked man that could have been um, the one that, that saved, uh, uh, saved the waitress that she's referring to. And so what that that tends to suggest is that you know the whole sequence uh, with him rescuing the uh, the the girls in the very first scene or the very first action scene in, in the first episode wasn't his first rodeo, um, and also even before that you know when he's wearing just the sweater and the blindfold um, that might have been one of his first rodeos. But he's been in town for a while. Um, and it's not really explained why he is there. Um, he was living in Manhattan for a while uh, as an intern lawyer. Um, 
and he's here in Hell's Kitchen, but they don't really give you a clear uh, sense of how long he's been there um, and when exactly she showed up like they do in Man Without Fear. So there's a lot of things that are uh, left up to interpretation. Um, he's relatively, relatively new and doesn't have a uh, reputation but um, he's gaining that reputation little by little, and some people have heard about him. So that's kind of where he is at in his uh, superhero career. Red. It's the reveal of Jack's uh, boxing robe. You can never go wrong with gold trim. And there's a little bit of the touch of yellow. There's a good internalization of why he may wear red as well. Because um, enemies wouldn't be able to tell if he's bleeding. That, that scene with him feeling the cloth and stuff like that. You know, he asks to you know to touch it and stuff like that um it is kind of highlighted in the comics you know that he could maybe tell what colors are which just by rubbing his hands over it his his fingertips there's a shot of the creole versus murdoch uh, poster who turns out to be the absorbing man and in this show he is never shown but he is depicted as being a younger boxer um going up against the veteran uh jack murdoch um, but him rubbing his fingers over over the the robe, uh, you know, can you tell what color it is just by feeling it? You know, that's something that's kind of alluded to in the comics. Now here's a great great uh, twist on the the origin tale, um, to where it it explains how Matt, as a kid, as an orphan, you know, without his mother, and uh, very soon without his father, uh, is able to. Um, to kind of thrive and you know how is he taking care of who is he taking care of by all that stuff um, gets picked up in the stick episode but here we see his dad um, providing a lot of money for him by um, by turning the deal against uh, silk and um, and he's banking on him winning on his own victory um, so that's a really, really great twist. I, I really liked that moment. And it really put a lot of dread into the fact that he's going to have to run right after he wins. Um, and then, of course, we see how that turns out. Here he's talking to uh, to the mother of Matt Murdock, uh, Sister Maggie. We hear her voice a little bit, but that's about it. We don't see her or anything like that. She's a very elusive character uh, in the Daredevil lore. But it plants seed, seeds as to, you know, if you have questions about his mom, it's kind of like, you know, well, you, you get little tidbits. And that's something that um, is in the, the director's cut of the Daredevil movie, but isn't in the theatrical cut. And if you've watched all the documentaries, you know how much of a headache it gives you uh, every time you hear Gary Foster talking about how, you know, we it needed to be under 100 minutes. You know, we needed to cut out all these long scenes. 
but here we have a, a little bit of a better product because it's made up of all these long scenes you know a lot of uh, a lot of uh, you know long takes and a lot of uh, performance you can really tell that a lot of rehearsals went into these um, because these performances these scenes are acted you know all the way through you know and you see the you see the quality of that you see the you know the responses being consistent and true to each other and it's just great you know the acting happy is is pretty funny and drunk <laughs> great acting So is he doing a selfless act by helping uh, this boy um, who in the last episode was taken from his vehicle, his uh, father was beaten, uh, he was kidnapped. This was all just to try and trap Daredevil, which they do. He gets beaten badly. Um, and he persists. You know, he continues to go after um, to go after Matt. Or, sorry, he continues to go after this boy that, that is kidnapped. And one of the things that's in play here is that Russians have five buildings, not four. Is it four or five? Four get exploded later on by the Kingpin in, in the next couple of episodes. But um, this is a great shot where they show the, the water tower and they reveal that Daredevil is on a rooftop nearby. Um interrogating a man and cutting him up and beating him uh, to an inch of his life um, which is really really um, great which is funny too because you know can he hear foggy can he hear Karen below because they're down there you know very very close by and this shot of Claire Temple with the with the thing over her face is really great too it, it reminds me a little bit of a uh, white tiger which is cool. The the white versus the black contrasts really well. I think it's really cool. It really shows her in her sort of night nurse sort of white costume. Like that whole concept is still there. But at the same time, she's not, you know, harming this, this Russian dude. He is. So he's kind of the uh, the dark knight, dare I say. Yes, I do dare. Uh, I'm also without fear. A lot of similarities between Daredevil and Batman, but I try to withhold from that as much as possible. All right. I say selflessly, you know, he's rescuing the boy selflessly because it's not like if he were saving somebody that he loved um, and had something to lose, uh, that would make for a more dramatic narrative. But um, but he's trying to he, he's not trying to preserve an area of his personal life. You know, he stands to gain nothing from 
from saving this boy that's beneficial to him. Um, now, granted, we're only two episodes in, so the stakes can't be personal enough um, to where it would have, uh, you know, a payoff. Um, but this is part of what I love about the character, that he's doing what he knows is right. Now, I'm not talking about this scene in particular. <laughs> particular. Uh, we do know that to do the right thing, sometimes he has to put a lot of people in the hospital to do it. Um, you know, to make them go on the path of the righteous, which is one of the episodes that, uh, which is one of the episodes names, uh, later on. But here's a great, great, um, moment right here. He's going to drop this guy off of the roof. Um, he's not going to let him go or anything like that. He's going to intentionally drop him off the roof here. Um, which mirrors uh, something that Stephen DeKnight talked about. Um, or he talked about the scene that happens in Daredevil 183, where he drops Bullseye, um, uh, intentionally lets him go, and and uh, you know he ends up, you know, in you know in a full body cast and all that stuff, um, which is also kind of a little illustrated in the in the Daredevil movie as well. But primarily that comes from, there he goes, primarily that comes from Daredevil 183. It seems like a lot of weird stuff comes from uh, 183. Um, this is an episode, or that is an issue that has Punisher in it. Um, so we see Bullseye letting go, letting go of Bullseye, letting him drop. Here's a cool consistent uh, thing. You know, he didn't have the... the the ropes on his arms um, or on his hands before here we see him uh, cutting the rope and wrapping it around his fist uh, so he can get ready to go. Joe Casada is actually on uh, I think the latest episode uh, the latest podcast of, of Fat Man by Kevin Smith and he talks about this scene in particular and how you know he's gonna you know he's putting those things on to do damage to to the other guy. Um, but getting back to Daredevil 183, there's a lot of weird things like um, there's a guy in there named Flapper who's a drug dealer to uh, to a elementary school uh, in that issue. And good God, he has a such a uh, close resemblance uh, to to the barber. Now, the barber is Toby. Toby is Flapper. Flapper is Toby. <laughs> no, not Toby from The Office. So who I'm talking about is Wesley. James Wesley. And the reason why I call him the barber is because he's good at tying up loose ends, uh, as we've seen in the first episode. But in the issue of Daredevil 183, you know, he's got the glasses. He's got the um, he's got the haircut. He's he's kind of nicely dressed. He's got the jacket and all that stuff. Close, close resemblance to to James in, in this show. Um, this is cool right here. Introduction to Jack into the ring for the last time, and right here you could see the like, you know, his his robe goes up on his head to where it sort of forms the horns. Um. And there he goes into the ring for the last time in his life. This is a great moment. 
I get choked up every time I see this. I love this kid and his um his uh his design is really great. You know, they have him, you know, in that classical um you know, striped t-shirt with the with the jeans. Uh very reminiscent of uh you know, around the eighties or, or, or maybe even a little bit before then, even in the seventies, the, the clothing. And I love, I love his glasses. His glasses just fit his face really, really well. There's the last scene of Jack Murdoch. Now he, he's trying to make a run for it. He's trying to escape, but, uh, you know, is a pride that gets in the way is a pride that kills him. You know, because he stops to bask in the glory of people chanting for him for the very last time. You know, is it something that he thought, you know, well, I'm going to die anyways. You know, I might as well enjoy this this grandiose moment, you know, of my life. You know, sort of, uh, sort of when a, a player retires, um, you know, after you win a championship. You know, it's the best way to go out. Um, and you have little time to worry about, you know, well, what if, what if I had stayed another season or something like that? You know, what if Jack tried to get away, you know, would he still be alive or, or still dead? Echoes of, uh, Matt yelling his, uh, for his father, uh, the corpse of his deceased father. And it's a great introduction and a great lead in to what's going on in the present. There's a lot of red and yellow lighting throughout the show. Um, you'll see that consistently uh, pretty much in almost every episode. Um, but a lot of red lighting, a lot of yellow lighting. Um, something that I think is meant to uh, conjure up, you know, the... the the daredevil yellow mantra without actually having him dress in the yellow costume or anything like that. Um, and actually very little red. There's actually almost all yellow here. Uh, in the lighting in this first season. I got goosebumps right now. There's the shadow of Daredevil. Walks in the frame. Great animalistic behavior right here to where, you know, he's he's essentially using his senses, his his nose, um, he's prowling, you know, he knows that his prey is nearby um and they always describe kingpin in this first season as a uh, as an animal um that's being cornered here daredevil is the uh, the predator he's the lion and there it goes all right so here's charlie cox he enters into this first room right here a lot of 
edits, uh, even though it's meant to look like one shot, but um, I think that was the first edit when it goes uh, into the close-up of the door right there. And here comes Charlie Cox's uh, stunt double. Uh, here's where Charlie Cox loses about a, you know, a foot in his uh, height. It's a moment where no one's touching each other, no one's uh, advancing against the other. And then it starts up again. A lot of great beats to to uh, to a really really long shot like this. That was a good hit right there. That was another good hit right there. <laughs> so now the camera is facing the door that it was originally facing, uh, where the boy is uh, in the background in the door behind uh, all this action. And so Charlie Cox went into the door on our right and he's actually going to come up or come back out in the door on, sorry, he went in on the door on the left and he's going to come out in the door on the right. Stunt double goes in there. Stunt double is going to come back out. Stunt double will go back in. Big fuck you shot right there. Last blow. Stunt double goes in there. Charlie Cox comes out. Now, I know there was a lot of location shooting. Um, but was this a stage? I'm fairly certain that it could be. You know, Charlie Cox probably could have walked around set and came out through that other door that he did not uh, go in through. And he takes his, uh, his mask off to uh, to show the audience that it is him the actor um, it's all part of the illusion great line delivery great moment great music great hero shot now in man without fear it was a girl named mickey and obviously here they adapted it um, to mirror his uh, uh, the the what happens with him as a kid father and son father and son that's the whole theme of this episode really really great stuff all right so the cue just came up it's coming in 15 seconds um one of the best episodes if not the best episode it's really 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 good this is uh this is that one that you want to tell your friends about all right later